Let's pray together. Lord, we indeed speak and proclaim Jesus over your people. We speak Jesus over this congregation gathered here. We pray that Jesus would be present with congregations that gather everywhere this day. We pray that Jesus would especially be present with, with our children. We want Jesus for them more than anything. We pray that even now you're drawing these little ones among us to yourself. That you're using their families and their church to speak Jesus over them and to help them know and to love Jesus. We pray that for each of us as adults, that as we gather together, whether it be on a Sunday morning or in a small group or in Sunday school or in our homes, that, that you are there and that we're just growing in you, Lord. So I pray now that this would be a time that as your words proclaim, that it's all to your glory, that it's all for your kingdom. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen. We're, we're revisiting a text that we looked at some time ago, but I think it's a, uh, it's a good time to, to look at it. Uh, and we'll look at it in a little different context today, but it's John chapter 3, verses uh, 1 to 5. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water in a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, <clears throat> excuse me, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Richard Foster writes in celebration of discipline that as the cross is the sign of submission, so the towel is a sign of service. And it's appropriate that we've come to this practice of service on a communion Sunday. For the washing of the disciples' feet with a towel took place on that Passover night when Jesus began to explain that the bread and the wine represented his body and his blood shed upon the cross. Submission and service were linked together. And submission and service are indeed linked. But they're difficult concepts, perhaps even more difficult for those of us living in America today. We spend a, tend to spend our lives trying to work our way to the top where we will be served more than serve. We say things like, it's good to be queen or king. Blessed are those who are served, we might say. 
Well, submission and service didn't exactly resonate with Jesus' first disciples either. As the disciples sat down for the Passover feast, having walked along the, the roads in Jerusalem, they would have been keenly aware that someone needed to wash their feet. Ordinarily, that was a servant's job. But since there was no servant there at the Passover meal, one of them should have gotten up and offered to wash each other's feet. Instead, verse 4, Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment. He took a towel and he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around his waist. In Luke's account of the Passover meal, the disciples after the meal, Luke twenty-two twenty-four, 24, arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest just after the meal. And they'd already had that argument 13 chapters earlier in Luke 9, verse 46, almost the exact same argument. And each time Jesus had basically tell them, if you want to be great, you got to be the least. The least among you is the greatest. So they knew full well at the table that they should get up and wash one another's feet. But they just sat there, feet caked with dirt. I can only imagine that maybe their heads were down. Hope he doesn't call on me. Or maybe they looked around and mouthed, you do it. And the other one said, no, you do it. And they reveal the crux of the matter for us. Most of us know we'll never be the goat, greatest of all time. I don't like that term, but that's a whole other story. But uh, we know, most of us know we'll never be the greatest of all time. But we certainly don't want to be the least, right? We know we may not be the greatest, but we don't want to be the least either. However, when the disciples' dispute broke out in Luke 22, Jesus said, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. In John 13, verse 14, he said, if I, then your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And in Matthew's gospel, the dispute over uh, greatness came because the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, wanted her boys to sit at the right and the left in the kingdom of God. It was a mama wanting what was best for her boys. But Matthew 20, 24 says, when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. Some of you heard me say this before. I'm quite sure the reason why they were indignant is because they didn't think of it first. They probably thought something like, doggone those mama's boys. We should have known she had tried to do something like that. We should have beat her to it. But Jesus gave a response to all the boys and to all the girls, then and now. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. 
But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's the principle of the spiritual discipline of service. Beloved, we're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. We're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. Greatness in the kingdom of the world may be defined by, by rising up the pecking order, but not in Jesus' kingdom. The one who is great is the one who serves. And Richard Foster rightly reminds us that we need to be careful even about using the word great or greatness. You see, human nature being what it is, we're, we're liable to serve with a self-righteous attitude. We, we, if we're not careful, we want to seek after the big in the spotlight kind of service. We, we want to pick and choose our service and we want to choose the more visible service so that we'll get pats on the back. Self-righteous service will seek human applause, but true service is content with the service itself. That's reward enough. Self-righteous service is also likely to be more temporary, whereas true service is probably going to be a, a, a lifestyle. We're going to want to do it day in and day out. Self-righteous servants are more likely to pick and choose whom they serve. Some will want to serve the high and mighty, and that way uh, they can, you know, get close to those peoples. Maybe they can make some, get some advantage that way. Others will want to serve the low and the lowest of the low because maybe that will make them look humble. But true service is indiscriminate. True service just wants to help wherever help is needed. You see, True service is not going to be self-righteous, but we're going to seek to be humble. We're going to recognize that our resources, that our gifts, that our talents, they're not really ours. They were given to us by God. We're going to know if we're a true servant that we're really serving because Christ first served us and he gave his life as a ransom for our lives. Those who practice the discipline of service are not self-righteous again, but humble. And they see people. Servants truly see people. Adele Calhoun writes in her Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, we will never really serve others unless we see that the needs of our neighbors are as real and as important as our own. This may seem obvious, but she says the truth of the matter is that many of us look right through other people, and we never see them, much less care about their needs. But read through the Gospels. Notice how Jesus saw people. He saw the crowds, and he had compassion on them. He, he saw people who were hungry, and he fed them. He saw something in the disciples that, that caused him to call them out. 
He saw people crippled and blind, and he healed them. He, he saw and had a conversation with an adulterous Samaritan woman, a woman whom no other Jewish man would have even approached. He really saw people and saw their heartache and their brokenness. And John says to us in 1 John 3, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in us? You see, my problem, and perhaps it's yours as well, is that too often I don't see my brothers and my sisters. I don't really see them. Too often when I'm way too preoccupied with my needs and the concerns of me and mine, I fail to see the faces of other people. You see, practicing service calls for avoiding self-righteousness and humbling ourselves and truly seeing other people. In short, practicing service is, is being like Jesus. Every spiritual practice is a call to try to be more and more like Jesus in our lives. Interestingly, this past Monday evening, I got home pretty late, and, uh, and I ate supper rather late, but I still wanted to force myself to get on that stationary bicycle I have uh, in, in the basement, which is actually a trainer that has my bicycle on it. I love riding outdoors, but I hate riding on a trainer. But I, I felt that I, I needed to force myself somehow. I need to push myself and, and get on it. So I thought, you know, I'll flip through my podcast app. Maybe there's, maybe there's some podcast I can listen to that at least allow me to stay on that thing 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, because I want to get back on my outdoor bike and ride some this spring, and I'm, I'm terribly out of shape. So I thought, I'm going to force myself and listen to something. So I stumbled across a podcast by Louis Giglio uh, at Passion City Church. Uh, but it was no accident that I stumbled across that podcast. He had been teaching on the discipline of fasting, and in his concluding message, he said something to this effect. It's always about Jesus. It's about developing the attitude of Jesus. It's about altitude, rising ever closer to the level of Jesus. And he said it's even more than that. It's about being attuned to Jesus. How in your life, day in and day out, as in tune with Jesus as you possibly can. What Giglio said about fasting is true about all the practices of faith. They're about being attuned, in tune with Jesus. How much should we pray? How much do you want to be in tune with Jesus? How often should I read Scripture? How often do you want to be in tune with Jesus? How serious should I be about simplicity and stewardship and service? How seriously do you want to be in tune with Jesus? That's really the question. We got to all answer that for ourselves. I can't answer that for you. We have to wrestle in our own hearts, in our own minds about 
the frequency and how much we want to be in tune with Jesus. But back to Matthew 20, Jesus said clearly, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So let's say we want to be in tune with Jesus and we want to practice service. What are some practical things you and I might do? Well, certainly you and I can and should serve in our local church. Therefore, I've included the ministry teams again in, in your bulletin. I ask you again to pray over and look at those and uh, talk with liaisons and see how you might serve here. Uh, that's just one way you can serve here in the church. Uh, practically today, some of you can come up. We've got to move this pulpit. You can just come and, and help do that under Holly's careful instructions, of course. But, uh, but I want to talk about some everyday service at home, uh, at school, and at work. A service in the everyday activities of our lives. This week, God just kept connecting the dots for me in, in my personal prayer life and my Bible study and, and my public preaching. It, it was amazing when the way God works uh, all the time if we'll listen, but but the way I heard him different ways this week. And one connection was in the yielding prayer uh, for Tuesday, January 30th, found in the Lectio uh, 365 app. And here's that prayer. Lord, I yield to your best purpose for my life. May I never be sidetracked by the allure of comfort, but rather find fulfillment in making a difference in the lives of other people. Help me change someone's life for the better today. So in the stuff of everyday life, how can we serve? How might you and I seek not so much our comfort, but to make a difference in someone else's life? How might we make someone's life at least a little better? Here we go, some simple stuff. Just some small ways. And it's just that. Look for some small things you can do, beloved. We tend to always want to gravitate towards the big stuff. And if you can do something big for someone, by all means, do it. But look for ways you can do little things in people's lives to make their life better. And along those lines, practice what has traditionally been called common courtesy, which I don't think is very common anymore. It's little things. The joy of holding the door for people. The joy of some chivalry of opening your wife's door and the car every now and then. Letting someone pulling out in traffic that's struggling to get out. Stopping and noticing a pedestrian standing over there in the rain, drowning with their umbrella while you speed by. Stop and let them go across the street. Practicing more and more thank you and please. Now make sure... Your wife's taking her heart medicine as she needs it, but you could even notice uh, the dishes piling up in the sink and the laundry. And you could actually go and wash them and take care of them without being asked. Sorry to pick on you guys, uh, but uh, 
The women will get even with me if I pick on them. Maybe you'll let me by. But seriously, we could just notice some of those things a little more. Common courtesy is just one way in our everyday living that we, we say to the other person, I value you. You mean a lot to me. And I just want to serve you in some little ways. You could also offer the service of listening to another person. Think what a service you and I might give if we listen instead of always trying to give quick answers. Guilty as charged. If we'd listen instead of talking about our our concern, but just listen. Related to talking and listening, we could offer the service of guarding another person's reputation. Paul, in in his final instructions to the Colossians, gave this advice, chapter 4, verse 6, that your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. What a service we might offer if the words we spoke about others and to others would become more palatable, gracious, and kind. What a service we could offer in a world that's so brutal all the time. We could also offer the service of hospitality. And beloved, don't make it so complicated. You don't have to take something to eat every time. I know we're Southerners, but you don't have to. You don't have to bring a gift every time. You know, sometimes we overthink it and we make it so complicated that we wear ourselves out and we never get around to doing anything. You know, sometimes what people need, oh, they appreciate the cake or the pie, I I get it. But they're so lonely that the greatest hospitality we could offer is the invitation of our presence. The invitation of our presence. There's many more simple acts of service. If you want to ponder them, there's lots of, lots of books have been written on them, like the Celebration of Discipline. But remember this, service doesn't always have to be grand. We, you and I just need to be more intentional more in tune with Jesus in the daily activities of our lives. As we come to the table again today, remember that the risen Lord beckons us to be in tune with Him and to take up the ministry of the towel. Let's pray together. Lord, this is as hard a message for us as it was for your first disciples. We struggle. We focus too inwardly. I'm as guilty as the next. Forgive us. Open our eyes that we might truly see. Having had this message and prayed this prayer, we'll probably pass someone this very afternoon that we need to see. 
that we need to listen to, that we maybe just need to offer a, a little common courtesy to. So, Lord, help us to be more in tune with you, to every day carry out this practice of service. Big things, little things, whatever you're calling us to, may, may it never be beneath us, but be our great joy to serve one another. Lord, now we come and we set aside this holy meal, the greatest service you could ever give us. Lord, you, you gave your life for us. It wasn't beneath you to die for us, Lord. You did it to be our servant, to, be, to serve us, to, to love us, to bring us in relationship with you and with the Father. So now we set aside this meal as holy and consecrated unto you. May the bread we break and the cup we drink be unto us the body and the blood of Christ. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.